0: Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the Washington Weekly podcast on the UBS and the Now podcast channel. Joining me, as always, for the conversation. Glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS. U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. Shane, it's great to be back with you. I know we've had a bit of a summer hiatus in conjunction with Congress being on their summer recess, and we'll speak more about that in a few moments. But thank you for spending some time with our listeners, our clients today, and looking forward to catching up.
1: Thanks for having me, Dan. Yep, Uh, I know summer's coming to an end and I hate to see it. I love summer so much, but it's always good to be back with you.
0: Likewise, Shane. And I know we have a busy fall ahead of us up on Capitol Hill. As I mentioned, we will get to a preview of that legislative agenda a bit later in our conversation, though uh, the timing works out well that we're speaking with one another today. This is the day following the first GOP presidential debate. We did see several candidates for president of the United States, take the stage last night for a nationally televised debate, as mentioned the first, and what will be numerous debates between now and Decision 2024. So, of course, a lot to cover, but I'm curious from your vantage point, Shane, what were some of the more notable topics debated and discussed amongst the candidates?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Last night definitely uh, provided some uh, entertainment and uh, intrigue, we'll say. You know, um number of topics were covered, you know, ranging from uh, abortion to uh, de- deficit uh, spending and uh, Ukraine. I thought, you know, a lot of the interesting parts really, to me, were, you know, over Ukraine, because you saw Nikki Haley and others push back on uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and uh, his positions, but also uh, abortion. You know, I think, you know, uh, while... Uh, Governor DeSantis, you know, he has signed a uh, fairly aggressive abortion ban into law in Florida. He kind of stepped away from answering questions, which, you know, to some degree made him look like he was trying to duck his own record. At the same time, you had uh, former Governor Haley, who kind of actually took maybe what I would term as a more realistic approach. You know, she uh, was, I guess you could say, forthright in in the sense that she was said— that, listen, you know, while I may personally be for uh, a ban of abortions uh, after uh, six weeks, you know, that's not realistic because it's not going to pass a Senate where, you know, you don't have a filibuster-proof majority. So I think, you know, maybe she got some bonus points with uh, some viewers for not being, you know, that uh, politician who over-promises and gave a little bit of more realistic view and and didn't run to the extremes to you know get the uh base voter and and i would note you know some people think that she's already tacked for a general election you know but, you know, I think that's a little too early to get there already.
0: There was a lot of ground covered amongst the candidates. And as you put it, Shane, just a moment ago, there's a lot of runway ahead of us between now and Election Day 2024, though, when you have that amount of candidates on one stage, of course, competing to get a point across, it gets competitive very quickly. And we do see candidates convey their points with a lot of passion. Now, were there any standout moments from your vantage point Did any of the candidates resonate with the? audience more so than others?
1: Well, I think, you know, obviously one of the standout uh, items is that President Trump was not there. So, you know, a standout moment would be, you know, to me, I thought uh, Governor Christie was going to go in harder against President Trump. And, you know, he really uh, focused his energy on uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. So, you know, I think that was a little bit of a standout, but it may have not actually stood out. I think, um Former Vice President Pence stood out to me for, um, you know, having a much stronger debate than I anticipated. But to your point, I don't think that really resonated. I think, you know, uh, former uh, Vice President Pence kind of has a ceiling; he hit it. And when I look back, you know, what I always find interesting after a debate like this is, you know, because many of these candidates are new to the viewers, one kind of, you know, way to gauge interest levels to see you know, who people actually searched on Google after uh, a debate like this. And, you know, I think the top came out uh, Nikki Haley. So I think she generated a lot of interest and, you know, uh, resonated to some people. And, you know, I think Vivek Ramaswamy, because he's so new and well-spoken, overly well-spoken that, um, you know, people are interested in him. So I think maybe those are my top two of who resonated with voters. I think, you know, Governor DeSantis, you know, while he never tricked uh, himself, you know, his runway is getting shorter where, you know, he really has to get some energy back into his campaign um, or else the people who are behind him are going to start looking for, you know, their other option, whether it be Nikki Haley, uh, Senator Tim Scott or otherwise. Uh, the the uh, one other thing I'll note is that I think Governor a. Hutchinson was a non-factor, um, uh, even though he's you know well accomplished and very smart. You know I think sometimes you forgot he was even on stage with the others.
0: It's an interesting point, Shannon. As you pointed out, these debates serve as an opportunity for the voters to get acquainted, better understand the views, the policy views of the candidates, and some new names or names that are not as mainstream. So there will be other opportunities, there will be other debates. So what exactly comes next on the road to the White House, Shane? Any notable upcoming milestones?
1: Yeah, at the end of September is the next debate. I think it's September uh, 26th um, and that's in California. So that's kind of the big one. Again, it'd be interesting to see who makes the stage because the RNC sets different rules uh, about who actually gets to be on stage. And, you know, right now, uh, President Trump is uh, still not planning to be on that stage. I think uh, right now, everyone you saw last night, maybe minus Governor Hutchison, will, will be on the debate stage and maybe someone who was not on the debate stage could uh rise up and and you know pull high enough and have enough uh individual donors to qualify. I I think you know what we're going to see a lot of besides that is looking for who's gaining momentum in Iowa and New Hampshire um because remember the, I, I Iowa and New Hampshire are the first two states for Republicans which will and they'll have their uh caucus and primary in uh, January which comes sooner than you think. And I think it's interesting to see, you know, who is gaining momentum there. But also, you know, I'm very interested to see if if the polls are accurate there, because I'm talking to some people on the ground in Iowa who don't really think that uh, President Trump has the uh, lead in polls that, you know, we've seen public polls where he has these huge leads. and They don't really see that when they're talking to people on the ground there. So I think there's uh, potential for some shifts. Between now and January, that, you know, could surprise us, but there's so much, uh, to go until January. You know, maybe the, um, the true happens where it's just President Trump, where he runs it away, uh, or maybe, uh, one, there's an alternative candidate that really rises and, you know, poses as a, you know, one on one versus President Trump in the Republican primary. So it's going to be interesting.
0: That was some very interesting boots on the ground perspective you shared with us there, Shane. And as you pointed out, the road to the White House, a very long process, a lot of twists and turns along the way, and it will only get more exciting from here. So do look forward to continuing our coverage with you here on the podcast in the coming weeks, months into next year. I I do want to shift focus a bit. Uh, Revisit Capitol Hill, as I pointed out, does remain somewhat quiet as Congress is out for summer recess. As we look ahead to their return, what does the legislative agenda look like for the fall? Anything in particular that you'll be monitoring the most?
1: Yeah, it's going to be packed, actually. You know, um, at the end of September, it's the end of the fiscal year, so we have a number of deadlines uh, staring Congress in the face. You know, things from uh, government funding. um, If government agencies and departments are not funded, we could have a government shutdown. Um, we have other items like the Farm Bill ex- expires at the end of the fiscal year, the Department of Defense Authorization Act, and 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 uh, several other things like the uh, FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, too. So there there are a lot of balls in the air. The interesting thing is that you know Congress is not is only in session for 11 days in September, you know, and that's because of things like you know Labor Day, uh, the Jewish High Holidays. Um, so. You know, what's being done right now is while Congress is on recess, you have a lot of staff um, working hard to try and prep things so that when they come back in session right after Labor Day, they can try and get some of these items uh, ticked off. But I think the re- reality is, is that they're not going to be able to accomplish most of it. So some of it will be short-term extensions until the end of the year while they try and hammer out all the final details um, So it's going to actually be a very busy fall in Washington that will have uh, some, you know, some real world impact uh, uh, for Americans and and possibly the
0: markets. A lot coming up in the next few months as it relates to legislation. Of course, the campaign trail, you think about geopolitics as well. So we'll have plenty to talk about here on the podcast. Though, Shane, thank you for dropping by today. Very timely discussion and appreciate the legislative preview as well. Looking forward to connecting again with you soon.
1: Always good to be with you, Dan. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, Shane. Again, we have been joined today by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. I do, of course, want to point our listeners, our clients, to the Washington Weekly publication series located up on UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. As it relates to the GOP debate, I also want to point out a related recap blog from our colleague Tom McLaughlin, head of Fixed Income Americas at the UBS. UBS chief investment office. That blog is now available up on UBS.com slash CIO. The title appropriately enough, it's still early. So for clients of UBS, please be sure to contact your UBS financial advisor. If you would like to receive a copy directly from UBS studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.